2: This is Where We Live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalbethanchel. Over the last year, our commutes to work, even our gatherings with friends, changed drastically. Now, did that extra time at home lead you to pick up a new hobby? Today, Where We Live, we talk about hobbies and their lifelong benefits. Now, what hobbies did you discover or restart in the pandemic? We want to hear from you. 888-720-9677. 888-720-9677. That's eight 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 seven two 720 wnpr You can also share a comment on our Facebook page or find us on Twitter at where we live. We heard from uh, many of you, Randy tweeting, we expanded what we like to do, doubled our garden, wife got a cricket, that's a cricket cricket craft making machine for her birthday. And looks like someone signed up for a 52 hike challenge. So, Randy, thank you for sharing that. You can, too, as well. Again, that number eight 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 seven two zero nine six seven seven. Coming up, we'll hear from some of our staff here who share their new hobbies. And of course, we want to hear from you, too. Joining us first on Zoom is Tara Parker Pope, columnist and founding editor of Well. That's the New York Times Consumer Health section. Tara, welcome to the show.
3: Thanks for having me. I love this topic
2: well has such a such a great resource i noticed the how to find a hobby guide on the new york times website did that come out before the pandemic
3: yeah you know we we did write this i did write this before the pandemic but it's really very relevant now but you know even before the pandemic i think we were you know all trying to figure out how to balance our work time and our family time and our responsibilities with leisure time it's it's been a challenge forever but i think you know one good thing the, the pandemic did is it forced us to all look at our lives a little bit more closely and see how we were spending our time.
2: Can I ask if, if there were any uh, hobbies that you restarted or discovered,
3: Tara, for yourself? You know, <laughs> I have to tell you that during the pandemic, it was a very intense time of work for me because mm-hmm. uh, I'm a health writer and it was just almost every day of writing. But uh, you know, I did think about the downtime that I had. I thought more about exercise and just taking walks. and. Um, But I did not have a lot of downtime. So right now, actually, as things are easing up, I'm thinking, what do I want to do? And I've signed up for a ceramics class, a pottery class online. I'm going to take some in-person lessons for throwing pottery, something I've always wanted to do. And I've gotten very, I I, I saw two eagles in my backyard in uh, upstate New York, and I've become completely obsessed with bird watching. So that was a very inspirational moment for me. So yeah, I'm trying to take my own advice and, do something that's not about work you know just do something that gives me a moment to reflect to just enjoy myself do something just for fun
2: those all sound like uh, great activities to start tara i'm also into birding as well as i remember this last year so much work from home really stressed out with also dealing with children in remote school, but still finding time to spend more time outside, even if it meant just a, a walk in the middle of the day to get me away from my computer screen and the many Zoom meetings. And so when you're hearing from uh, readers of the New York Times, what are some of the hobbies you've heard and, and seen people pick up during this pandemic?
3: It's been interesting. You know, I have to say birdwatching is a big one. And I think that one really good thing that has happened is that we've discovered that you can actually take a moment and go outdoors during a workday. There's really no difference between leaving your office and going to take a walk and leaving your home office and going to take a walk. But I have to say, I I don't really go for walks when I'm working in the office. I might take a quick break for lunch, but I don't just sort of take a walk to take a walk and i think we've all discovered the pleasures of the outdoors and you know there's so many physical benefits to just being mindful and you know looking at the trees and the rocks and listening to the birds like these are great mindful moments that can really refresh you so i think a lot of people have discovered birds <laughs> during the pandemic um some people have written to me they've started writing poetry which has been really mm-hmm. lovely i've they've been sending me their poems and you know just to sort of either express their feelings about the pandemic or maybe they've had a loss or they see humor, you know, people have started writing and journaling. Um a woman the other day sent me um I had I had told people when my cat died of 18 years, I'd mentioned it in my newsletter and a woman sent me a watercolor painting she did of my cat which oh, wow. was so kind and and I loved seeing it, but I asked her, you know, tell me about this hobby and it's something she'd always wanted to do and she just kind of had the paints and didn't really do anything with it and decided during the pandemic to, you know, pick up our paints and sort of restart an old hobby, which I thought was terrific. I've heard from a lot of people who started painting, but, you know, a hobby can be yoga, a hobby could be running or biking. It could be, you know, there's a whole Peloton crowd, you know, that counts as a hobby. That's a whole life, you know, where you kind of get connected to other people in your Peloton group and, you um, that becomes, you know, fitness becomes something very important to you. A lot of people have have talked about that. So, you know, you know, hobby can be old movies, you know, if you, you know, always loved old movies, maybe making a point instead of watching, you know, Netflix or whatever, look up an old movie that you've always loved. And, you know, maybe read a book about it. I know some people will, somebody wrote to me where she was doing I don't recall exactly what it was. It was a president or something. She saw something and she she ordered some books and she said, you know, this is kind of fun when I learn a new fact to do a kind of a deep dive on this topic. And so history became her hobby during the pandemic, which I thought was an interesting new thing.
2: We heard from Lauren, who actually works at Connecticut Public, uh, when you were talking about watching old movies, Tara. Uh, Lauren is uh, playing old school video games with her kids, which I, I loved. And again, we want to hear from you if you have uh, found a new hobby or restarted an old one, especially in this last year where many of us spent more time at home than we would have liked. The number 888-720- 9677. That's 888 720 wmpr Or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Now, Where We Live producer Carmen Baskov has spent her quarantine learning a new language. If you know Carmen, this should not surprise you. Here's senior producer Tess Terrible and Carmen talking about language learning through the app Duolingo.
1: Are you one of those people that
2: has a natural aptitude
1: for languages?
4: Um, Just- I think so. Yeah, I mean, I like, i I'm, I'm not sure i'm like the most talented language learner in the world, but I definitely am very drawn to it and enjoy it and I think it's a bit easier for me than it is for some people so it's something i've always enjoyed um, and had a lot of interest in. Okay, this is asking me how many beers did she drink. I am mostly learning Chinese on Duolingo. Um, I do also have uh, French on Duolingo. I've separately been studying French um, through like a Zoom class with the Alliance Française de New Haven. Um, So I'm not really doing it a ton on Duolingo, just kind of have it there to practice if I feel like getting some more French practice or if I want to do an easier, (laughs) if I want to do my Duolingo uh, for the day with an easier lesson than my Chinese lesson.
1: And um, with, so with Duolingo, like you get points and and stuff like that. What is your total, I think it's called XP right now.
4: Okay. Yeah. So with Duolingo, it's very confusing because there's like all of these different kind of like currencies of um, things you can go for. Mm -hmm. So like You can get crowns which to be honest i don't really know i think it's just like how many lessons you've completed maybe Mm -hmm. um but there's crowns then there's xp which i think is the thing that i'm like most engaged about um because i like to compete in the leagues and um Mm -hmm. it's about the leagues are based on how many xp you get so let me see um i'm gonna pull up my profile Okay, right now I have 11,444 total XP oh, over my the God. playing it. Um, <laughs> crazy. Yeah, I'm still quite, my, my sister is also really active on Duolingo, and I'm like far behind her. She has
0: 50,909 XP.
4: <laughs> okay, so that says, My little sister really likes. Um, she really likes drinking juice. Oh, let's see. All right. Oh, no. Okay. So see, this is something I find frustrating about Duolingo. So I translated this. I was like putting these words in order and I wrote my little sister really likes drink juice. I forgot to, but like, obviously I knew what the sentence meant. Um, I just like missed. Wrote it in English, but now I got it wrong and I lost the heart. So, like,
3: boo.
4: Because <laughs> I'm not learning English on this app. I'm learning Chinese. And so I feel like I should have got that right, but whatever.
1: Is it partially for you, like, blowing off steam? For, yeah. for me, when I've been doing it, it's been really fun. And, and it's something I kind of do at, towards the end of the workday when I just need to take totally. a five minute break. Yeah.
4: Yeah. It's like, for me, it's like, I feel like it's kind of the equivalent of having like Candy Crush or something like that, but that I feel I can feel a little better about because um, it's not like super hard or, you know, takes a super ton of mental energy to do it. It, The lessons are really short, um, but it like makes fun sounds when you do them right. And um, it just like feels like a slightly more useful way to like get out your phone and like blow off some steam, like doing something with your (laughs) thumbs. okay, that's it. I love the sounds because I'm like, yes, I got something
2: right. <laughs> that was Carmen Baskoff and Tess Terrible talking about language learning in the pandemic. Uh, Tara Parker Pope with the New York Times. Uh, how do you want to respond to what Carmen shared and thinking about hobbies and ways to do them with family?
3: You know, I think, um, you, you have it depends sort of where you are on your in your life right and what your life is about. So if you're at that phase in life where you have you know little kids at home, um, you know, busy family life, when I was in that phase of life, my hobby was really volleyball. My daughter was a volleyball player and I got very invested in her club and helping her club and helping with the website and that really became my passion. Now that she's in college, you know I have an opportunity to do other things. but it's interesting listening to the language hobby because for me I'm a writer. I work all day. I write stories. Um, I need an outlet that doesn't involve thinking so much, you know? So a, langu- <laughs> a, language, a language hobby would be hard for me because I'm, my bandwidth of just sort of words and writing wouldn't be right for me. You know, some people, they want physical hobbies, like physical exercise hobbies. I, like creative outlet kind of hobbies where I can make stuff and create stuff I also like mindful hobbies that's why the birding really appeals to me because I'm trying to kind of get words out of my head <laughs> and not not take in new words so I'm very impressed and envious of someone who could language as a hobby I think that's a terrific idea but uh that wouldn't you know everybody has to find their own thing right you have to find the thing that speaks to you that is the way you want to spend Your time off there's no right there is a right answer but nobody else can tell you what it is only you can
2: you can join our conversation find us on facebook and twitter at where we live adrian's calling in from west hartford adrian can you hear me what have you been doing in the pandemic go ahead lucy good morning so um what
5: i've been doing is um a project actually that um i started a while back but the pandemic has really given me an opportunity to focus uh, you know quite singularly on the project, and it deals with uh, writing a series of scripts that I hope someday will be on TV or video streaming or who knows, but it's directed to the 8- to 13-year-old age group on issues that I think they need to know more about. Um, And it stars a group of dogs. Uh, It's meant to be animated. My own dog, Roxanne, is the protagonist, and it's called She's Roxanne. But it deals with um, issues like the pilot script deals on hazing the new kid in school or the new dog in school, uh, smoking and vaping, drinking and driving. Um, there's a lot of um, episodes I hope to write. I've written one already on going to college and what college is all about, uh, sexual assault. And I'm hoping to, you know, make all of these simultaneously serious and humorous to appeal to that age group. And, you know, I, I, um, want the, I want young kids to sort of see themselves in this. So I have one character who's transgender. I have one who has an incarcerated parent. I have two siblings who are in the foster care system. And my own dog, Roxanne, suffers from anxiety. So, um, you know, I, th- this is what I've been working on. I have ten scripts already and, uh, uh, a lot of it is an outgrowth of my 45-year career in college administration, and um, I guess we'll see how it goes. But I, I I'm, I kind of appreciate the pandemic in an in, in, in in odd kind of way, um, just because it has really given me a chance to to focus so so much on this. Well, thank
2: you, Adrian, for calling in. That sounds like a great project. Uh, and you can join us as well. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Uh, Liz told us on Facebook, she's returned to an art school medium, Mixed Media. Casey on Instagram says, started disc golfing during the pandemic. Others starting an herb garden. And someone said, my dad started a compost pile. It's been his pride and joy. Uh, we love to hear it again. Uh, my guest today here on Where We Live, as we talk about uh, hobbies, especially in the pandemic, Tara Parker Pope, a columnist and founding editor of Well, the New York Times consumer health section. We want to hear from you. What's your pandemic hobby? You can join us 888-720-9677 or find us on Facebook and Twitter at where we live. Now, is this, is this something you hope to continue to do beyond the pandemic? Here's WNPR reporter Ali Oshinsky talking about her newfound love for gardening. Hey, this is Allie Oshinsky. I'm a reporter at Connecticut Public.
1: I'm also a gardener since the pandemic began. That's my pandemic hobby. And I think I'm just going to do it
2: the rest of my life. I just want to keep this forever, even after the pandemic ends.
1: Oh, by the way, I'm in my backyard watering the plants right now. Happy spring!
2: Bye. This is Where We Live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalbethanchel. With more time at home over the last year, did you start a new hobby or maybe restart an old one? You can join our conversation. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Now, one of the drawbacks to working from home is the feeling of not having any disconnect from your work. So maybe you feel like you don't have time to start a new hobby. Uh, My guest today on Zoom, Tara Parker Pope, columnist and founding editor of Well, the New York Times Consumer Health section, Tara, how do you think about that sentiment where people may feel like, I don't have time to, um, you know, start a new hobby or, or restart an old one?
3: You know, a lot of us feel that way. We just feel like, I'm just so busy, I have no time. And I completely understand that feeling. Um, but if you take a moment and you really, you know, one exercise people do is they advise you to start just writing down the different activities you do all day and We all need downtime. We need downtime where we can literally just like sit on the sofa and enjoy a cup of coffee and just maybe, you know, do nothing. Like I absolutely, we need those moments, but we we do waste a lot of time. Waste is not really a fair word, but you know, we have a lot of, I would just say don't let screens become your hobby. I think it's great to watch a movie with your family or to just kind of escape into a comedy. There's actually benefits to doing those things. But if you really look at your day you find that a, there's sort of a lot of noise in it. A lot of stuff kind of overtakes you, and you're not necessarily controlling your time. Um, someone I once said to somebody uh, about how busy I was. He was. I was doing an interview, and he was like a life coach type person. And he said, "Well, where do you spend your time?" And I said, "Oh, I'm just so busy, and I'm taking picking my daughter up at school, and and I'm taking her to volleyball practice, and I'm doing this for the club, and and I was just." And he's like. Yeah you're busy but you're making those choices and those are good choices. I think when you start to really look at your day, it's almost empowering to say, "Yeah, I'm busy, but I'm making the choice to fill my hours with these." And and maybe even just identifying these as as passions and pursuits and hobbies is a good thing. You know, maybe you you're cooking a lot, but you love cooking. So think of cooking as your hobby and take a moment to make sure you're getting the joy out of it and try a new recipe, you know, take a Zoom class. Um, you know, get a new cookbook and spend time looking through recipes. You know, we, we are, people are busy, but you can still find those moments of joy in your day and you can still identify with certain hobbies. And, you know, I think gardening is a terrific one. I think cooking, uh, those can sort of supplement your busy life. You've got a family, but you can garden and you can bring your kids out there and you can grow vegetables and you can cook them and eat them. And, and sometimes those, you know, some people with their pets, They make pets their hobby maybe they do an agility training course or they go to dog training or they they make their they learn how i I have a dog barking in the back their dog becomes a um like a service not a service dog like a comfort dog like they go to nursing homes and hospitals Um, i know people who have spent time on those courses so you can find the things in your day that are keeping you busy and turn them into hobbies
2: You can join our conversation. We'd love to hear about uh, the time that you're spending uh, with family or maybe you have uh, an hour alone each week where you are spending that time doing a hobby. Again, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Uh, Joining us right now is Josh Mictum, who's also a Hartford City Councilman. Hi, Josh. Hey, how are you, Lucy? I'm doing well. So I know that you've been involved in music for some time, part of the Hartford Hot Several Brass Band. Obviously, the pandemic has put a halt to many of the activities we all enjoy. So how have you turned to music and are you doing it maybe a little bit differently in this last year?
6: Yeah, so obviously, like, getting a brass band of 15 people together is not a good look during a pandemic. (laughs) Um, So that's been on hold. And so instead... I also had a baby. My wife and I had a baby the September before the pandemic started. So I've been home with the baby a lot and singing to the baby. And so I guess at some point I started making up. I feel like a lot of people make up songs for their kids or just little goofy things. And then I just started recording them and putting instruments to them. And for me, that was a big change because I'm not used to like making gentle, thoughtful songs so much as like rhythmic, funky songs that are loud and simple. So, and of course, a lot of the time she wasn't old enough to walk or anything. So she's just sitting there. And so it's kind of perfect. She can sit there and I can entertain her by playing the horn or singing. And yeah, so I've been doing that a whole bunch or I had been. Now she walks. It's hard.
2: <laughs> well, I hear her in the background. So tell us more about some of your original songs. Uh, they're in Spanish. So what are some of the things that you're singing to her?
6: Um, I mean, it, so, they're in Spanish because um, my wife is a native Spanish speaker. Our daughter's grandparents only speak Spanish, so we're trying to, and I speak Spanish, so we're trying to get her to speak just Spanish so that she can talk to her grandparents, and I just, I mean, like, the most recent song I made for her was all about swings and slides because those are her current obsessions, um, but... They were just whatever, you know, I came up with a song about a little bear going to sleep that I would sing to her when she went to sleep. And, you know, I, I can't even say where things come from, but just the random little things one says to a baby over and over set to music.
2: <laughs> and now she's she's singing some of those songs back to you, Josh.
6: Yeah, I, singing it gives her a lot of credit in terms of rhythm <laughs> and, and melody, but she, she asked for certain songs that are in that repertoire and i mostly the reason i like recorded them and put them on soundcloud uh was not to launch my my new recording on career and leave the squalor of the law behind but so that when my daughter's in the car with her mom if she's fussy not her mom but my daughter her mom <laughs> can put that on the radio and that usually calms her down she likes the songs
2: well, I know that you've shared one of your songs uh, with our producer Tess, uh, "To labor sera el mundo. Uh, tell me a little bit about the song before we play it, Josh.
6: I mean, it's just like one of those, I wrote it when she was, you know, she wasn't talking or like, it's just sort of like an aspirational imaginary song. It talks about like, you can uh, farm sunlight on the moon and you can mine happiness from the clouds. It's just like, the world is your oyster. I mean, it's the kind of thing that we feel about babies when we look at them before they turn into teenagers who don't clean up and disappoint us. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's that.
2: Well, I, I want to play it for our listeners. Uh, Josh McDim again, uh, a Hartford City councilman. One of the original songs that uh, he came up with for his little baby. Here it is. <laughs>
6: Bebé, tu obra es esta Sembrar semillas de sueño Pa' que el pueblo duerma siesta Bebé, esta es tu hazaña Fabricar los puntos de luz Que bailan en las telarañas Bebé, tu labor será el mundo Bebé
2: Josh, that sounds pretty legit. <laughs>
6: I mean, I don't know what legit means, but the nice thing is I'm basically making it for an audience of one, and she's not very discerning. so. Oh, well, nice not
2: anymore. Our nice listeners, <laughs> I'm sure our listeners loved hearing that clip again. Josh McDum, thank you for calling in. We're so glad to hear you share uh, what you're sharing with your little baby, and it's been great to talk with you.
6: My pleasure. Keep up the good work, Lucy.
2: Again, on where we live today, we're taking a break from all that hard news you hear during the week uh, to talk about how uh, each of us has been rethinking our lives in this pandemic. And some of that might mean uh, taking time uh, for yourself or uh, taking time away from work to do uh, something else that uh, you love, which may be a hobby that you hadn't hadn't had time for before, or maybe rediscovering a new one. Uh, My guest today with us from the New York Times, Tara Parker Pope, but Tara, uh, you you had mentioned taking a break from screens. So Josh is doing that, right? He's making music for his little one.
3: You know, what I love about that example is that it allows him to, you know, he has his passion for music. It allows him to kind of bring it into his family life. So yeah, you know, he's got childcare demands and his, you know, the time, how he spends his time has changed a bit. And you're sort of, you know, at the whims of your child when you're a parent of a young child. So I like the idea that he's managed to kind of merge these two, you know, his love of his child with his love of music. And I also want to remind people that think, you know, making memories and recording memories and capturing memories is actually a great hobby, you know, scrapbooking or organizing your, fo- I did a lot of photo organization during the pandemic. Um, I have maybe 50 photo albums. My mom was the kind of person who would take like, a pit- like six pictures of a bird and she couldn't get rid of any of them. So I have six pictures of the same bird and I have just massive photo albums that my mom put together. And I'm spending time trying to organize them um, so that they're not a burden so that we can enjoy them. And so, you know, kind of scrapbooking and picking photos and capturing memories is a really cool hobby. A lot of people will make videos. Um, they'll, you know, maybe create a YouTube channel of their, of their kids' videos. And I think capturing these memories of our family is a really wonderful gift um, to our kids and to our relatives. And it's, a, it's, a lot, it's something a lot of people have done over the, you know, over the course of the past year.
2: You know, earlier, Tara, you mentioned when the pandemic start, started, because uh, of the nature of the work you do, uh, focus so much on health. I mean, you were working a lot and writing a lot. And I wanted you maybe to talk a little bit about uh, the the value, the benefits of taking time for ourselves when we're able to.
3: You know, I think this is the hardest message for people to understand. They feel you know, overwhelmed by their responsibilities. But self-care is not selfish and doing things for yourself is the way that you can become stronger and better at caring for other people and caring for your family. The thing about hobbies is, you know, they've, there's been a fair amount of research. Um, there's actually a scale called the Pittsburgh Enjoyable Activities Test that measures the effect of hobbies and leisure pursuits on our overall health. And they, you know, these researchers have found that people who, have a hobby who have that sort of moment of leisure that distraction from everyday life they tend to have you know they have less stress they have less disease they uh lower blood pressure they tend to weigh less I think maybe just because they're sort of active um just better overall physical function and greater longevity even um people who take part in hobbies get better sleep um you know, stress is a big uh, big issue for people who, you know, during the pandemic and hobbies is a way to release that. They found people who have hobbies, uh, have fewer negative moods, less depression, more positive outlook. Um, there's people who, who do hobbies are just happier. And interestingly, people who um, have a lot of hobbies tend to have more friends. And maybe it's friends you've met through your hobby, uh, but we know that having a strong social network is essential for healthy aging. Um, And there's a surprising benefit to having a hobby. You know, we think of a hobby as a way to escape work. But people who have creative outlets tend to also be more efficient at work. A study at San Francisco State University found that um, when you give your workers a chance to sort of take time for hobbies, it increases their sense of control. They are better at coming up with creative solutions in the office. So I would say that you don't want to pick a hobby, because it will help you at work. But that is a bonus benefit of having a hobby. So you shouldn't feel like, oh, I'm neglecting my job by doing this hobby. You should think, you know what, by doing this hobby, I'm going to be, I'm going to be better in all domains of my life. I'm going to be better, a better, you know, wife or husband, I'm going to be a better parent, I'm going to be a better friend, I'm going to be a better employee.
2: Mm, Those are some great points uh, to think about as we talk about hobbies and taking time for ourselves, uh, especially in this last year. Uh, The number again to join us, 888-720-9677. Linda calling in from Summers. Hi, Linda. Tell us what you've been doing.
1: Hi. Well, I make my own photo greeting cards. I take a photograph. I enjoy photography, so I take my pictures, get them printed, a 4x6 picture. And I paper punch each corner so that they look a little bit nicer than the straight picture. Then I choose a colored cardstock that enhances that specific photo. I glue the photo to the front of the card and then put the envelope in the fold of the card. And I use that for correspondence, birthdays, anniversaries, and even sympathy cards. I discovered one of the pictures I had taken on a hike. We were going uphill, and you saw a lot of the roots in the ground. And I sent that as sympathy to a woman who had lost her husband. And I said, you may have a rough road ahead, but the, it will get smoother later on. Hmm. And she appreciated well,
7: Linda-
2: Linda, it sounds like a lovely, uh, lovely that what you're creating and it's a nice touch uh photos that you're taking and then sending them to people that you know. Thank you for calling in. Again, you can join us 888-720-9677 or find us on Facebook and Twitter at where we live. Uh, Rich in North Haven said he picked up home improvement because they didn't want to have people coming in the house because of COVID. And now Rich has become addicted to fixing things around the house. (laughs) Rich, thank you for for sharing that with us. Uh, Helder writing, my pandemic hobby has been podcasting with his good friend Vivian and then taking and posting my photo a day project on Instagram. Also rediscovering a lot of comic books and novels. Brandon Clinton started a food forest, planted 28 trees on her property and one day they will all bear fruit Thank you, Brandy, for sharing that with us. Again, the number 888-720-9677. Uh, coming up, we're going to talk more about uh, why it's important to take leisure time and the fact that not everyone has that ability. Uh, but, uh, Tara, before we head to break, uh, dare I ask, uh, should we think about uh, scheduling time for our hobby in this uh, this society where we we are so scheduled and we've got so much to do? Uh, what do you think? Is that an approach getting? Give a little bit of time to yourself each week
3: yeah i think that if you want to prioritize something you, it's a good idea at least to start to schedule it i think it's a great idea to schedule a class because you'll at least make that commitment to take that seven o'clock class every tuesday night and it's a way to carve out time for yourself you know over time it might become more organic but if you're really having trouble getting started i think scheduling time you know I like to talk to people about, you know, who gets the best hours of your day? When are you most productive and happiest? Are you giving that to your job? Are you giving that to strangers? Or are you giving it to yourself? So I would say, think about when, you know, your best hours of the day. And maybe if you're just really kind of at peak from eight to 10 in the morning, think about using those hours for something you care about. If you're if you're struggling, you know, like I said, I've just signed up for a class uh, to, so that I won't, like, Just put it aside. I'm going to, you know, I paid for the class. I'm going to make the commitment. There's a lot of free classes. It doesn't have to cost you money. So I think scheduling something with a group, you know, maybe there's a meetup group that does bird watching. you know, there's all kinds of ways. I love all these ideas I've been hearing, but you scheduling it is a way to make sure that you make, you know, you put yourself first and you put your priorities first.
2: Again the number 888-720-9677. Uh, Kathy calling in. Kathy go ahead tell us quickly what you've been doing.
5: Uh, I started um, coming home at the end of the day and I would pick a word that represented the day and draw it out with magic with colored pencils to start and then I've switched to markers and now I'm totally into every night uh, between right after dinner watching a rerun of Stephen Colbert. I sit in draw flowers and all sorts of things, and I've discovered the joy of all different kinds of markers, and I call it word art.
1: So oh, I didn't do that
5: before the pandemic, and I hope to—it's interesting to look back and all the words that kind of struck each day, a word that struck me that day mm-hmm. is what I've been
0: working with.
2: Good idea, Kathy. Thank you for sharing that. I know my my husband's been drawing uh, with our daughter where they each just take a piece of paper and uh, they decide, um, you know, someone draws one thing and then they just keep adding to it. And that's just a, a nice way to unwind at the end of the day. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nopithanchel. My guest today, Tara Parker-Pope, founding editor for Well, the Times Consumer Health Section. As we talk about hobbies, and before we head to break, we wanted to play one more song from Josh McDum. Um, again, he's a Hartford City Councilman, been writing songs for his little one. This one is Morning Song.
6: Y nuestra alegría se hará una melodía de felicidad. Solo falta abrir los ojos y decir, hoy no va a regir tristeza ni maldad.
2: This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalbathanchel. My guest today on Zoom, Tara Parker Pope, founding editor for Well, the New York Times consumer health section. We've been talking about hobbies today and joining us now also on Zoom, Bridget Schulte, a longtime journalist, author of Overwhelmed, Work, Love and Play When No One Has the Time. She's also director of the Better Life Lab at New America.
7: Bridget, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me.
2: So uh, I was curious if you could respond to what you've been hearing and when you were able to take time to really research leisure and play in our country and how um, our feelings and time for it, we really don't prioritize it.
7: No, we really don't. So it's been actually really heartening to hear all these people talking about, you know, some really wonderful things that they're doing and taking time uh, to do just things that are fun and enjoyable So when I was doing a lot of research, first of all, I was looking for leisure research, and it's fascinating. There isn't very much of it here in the United States. Um, Some of the best leisure research is out of Canada or Europe. And when you think about it, it's because, uh, you know, it really is baked into the American culture. Uh, We're a very work-focused, achievement-oriented culture. So, uh, you know, for many of us, uh, leisure is sort of a waste of time. Play is sort of silly. Uh, we define so much of our identity comes from work. So uh, I think one of the things that Tara said uh, is very true. A lot of people think taking time for themselves is somehow selfish or silly or not important. And what we have here is really kind of a busyness culture, where busyness is not only a badge of honor, but almost like a price of admission. So when you talk talk to each other, it's like, how are you doing? Oh, I'm so busy. I'm fried. You know that was before the pandemic. You certainly still see some of that even <laughs> during the pandemic. You know, Zoom fatigue and you know, pandemic uh, burnout. um You know, so so even when you think about the way we talk to each other, we tend to prioritize busyness and work over just. You know, we're we're sort of uh, you know the people talk about we're human beings, and yet uh, often in a, in the United States. Our culture tends to promote human doing, you know, Uh, and even if you take leisure time, there is this weird connection to like, well, maybe I'll do it because it'll make me better at work. So so leisure is difficult in the United States. Uh, We don't have the the culture or the structures that really support people actually feeling good about doing it.
2: And what did your research find in terms of the amount of, of women who are able to take some time for themselves? Is it markedly different from, say, men? I think I know the well, answer.
7: <laughs> right, right. I think we know this. And I think that was one of the most interesting things. I always felt guilty about it, particularly when my kids were young. You know, it's like, oh, I, I can't take time. I can't do something. I don't deserve it. And then what was so interesting is uh, there is a a, there's a whole, you know, area of feminist leisure research, which is fascinating. And that women really, when you think about it, have never had a history or culture of leisure time. Um, You know, throughout human history, you know, you look at some of the early studies of leisure, like Thorsten Veblen and the theory of the leisure class. He dismisses women on page two. And he said that leisure was always something that high status men tend to have, you know, the 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 further away you got from the drudge work, you know, the sweeping and the hammering and the changing the diapers, you know, the kind of the drudge work of daily life, that's how you showed your status. And you know, you have the, you know, the idle rich. That's sort of where some of that came from. But you know, women have always done that drudge work. You know, when you think about even the sayings, a woman's work is never done from sun up to sundown. And so what was fascinating is that's really taken hold. And there was a a study done of women all around the globe. And one, they felt that they did not uh, deserve time for leisure or time for themselves. They felt it was very selfish or there was something wrong with them. You know, where it was perfectly acceptable for a man to go out to the pub with his friends or go out and play golf for hours. And so the women tended to feel that they had to earn leisure time Uh, And the only way to do that is to get through all of your tasks, which, you know, if anybody has a to-do list, it kind of never ends. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) so there is a a particularly difficult time for women uh, to feel good about taking this kind of time for themselves. It's actually, you know, there's a little bit of a, you know, kind of a cognitive disconnect that you have to overcome. And. You almost convince yourself that it's okay that you deserve it, you know, whether you've earned it or not.
2: And what about on the other side? And we know so many people have lost, have lost their jobs or may not be working as much as uh, they used to because of uh, economic uh, pressures. And uh, it's it's frustrating for those of us who, um, you know, we. I know I have the ability to work from home. Not everyone has had that uh, in the last year. And some people are working uh, many jobs and not having a lot of time uh, for even their families. And so when we talk about leisure, you know, how do we have that conversation because there's lots of people who don't have that ability?
7: Right, and that's a really, that's such a good question. You know, free time is not necessarily leisure time. And so what we've seen a lot in the pandemic so many people who have lost jobs or been forced out of the workforce. So they have, you could, you could argue that they have more free time but it's not something they chose. And there's a lot of stress and anxiety around that kind of time. It's sort of unfilled hours or looking for work or worrying about how to pay bills. So, so that might be free or unstructured time but that does not give you the benefit like a hobby or leisure time or play would. And I think this is what's an important thing to remember, and I think some of the callers, and Tara have certainly certainly said this, that leisure or play or hobbies, it's really in the eye of the beholder. That what the leisure research shows is that you need sort of two things to really have the benefit of a hobby or leisure time. And one is that you have freely chosen the activity so you choose to garden, you choose to uh, learn a language, you choose to play volleyball or whatever, or play music, and that you control the time. you know. And if you have those two conditions and that time is uninterrupted, then you have more of the ability to fall into what, um, you know, psychologists call flow or peak human experience where there's a sense of challenge, but it's not too hard so you don't get frustrated. I mean, and that's like, you know, that kind of like when you lose the sense of time and you are so lost in the activity, you're fully alive in the moment. And that's what psychologists say is like, you know, peak human experience. That's like the best feeling of time that you can have. So when you're on the other side of that and you might have time, but you haven't chosen to be unemployed and you're maybe filling the hours and maybe you're turning the television on to try to distract you. That's a very different feeling. That is not peak human experience. So so that's something to really keep in mind, and that even if you are in that situation and there's fear and anxiety, that there are things that you can do. Uh, whether it's connecting with other people, um, that that can be a really important, you know, not only something to reduce stress but to create connection, um, you know, build some resiliency, and that can be leisure or you know, find it, going for a walk. There are things that you can do that you can consciously choose to try to bring some of that sense of joy and meaning and uh you know kind of being a, an aliveness in the moment back into your life mm-hmm.
2: you're hearing Bridget Schulte again a longtime journalist author of Overwhelmed work love and play when no one has the time I wanted to fit in one more listener call Marsha calling in from Long Island Marsha what did you start up this last year
0: Uh, uh, chickens. (laughs) I I said a lot uh, writing about reducing stress of all things, um, because I'm a meditation teacher and such. But uh, my neighbor down the street uh, started to raise chickens, and he was hatching them, and he had too many chickens. And I was excited. I said, oh, I would love to do that. Um, To me, it's great, because it gets me outside and uh, walking around and then taking care of them. Besides, they are the funniest things. They are so entertaining, and each one has her own personality, so um, it, it's, it's just such a stress reliever for me. Plus, um, if, if, if everything went crazy and uh, we, we really, the pandemic got even worse, uh, I would have a food supply in my backyard, which really <laughs> makes me feel so secure. It's so nice to know I have those beautiful, fresh, organic eggs there every single day.
2: Yes, and it's great to have neighbors who have chickens. I have neighbors who have ducks. They give me some eggs. I'm like, yes, this is great. <laughs> Thank you, Marsha, for calling in. Uh, Tara Parker Pope, you're also still with us. I wanted you to respond a little to what uh, Bridget shared and also, uh, you know, with, with the U.S. having this reputation of all work, no play, uh, you know, just taking some lessons from countries abroad, maybe.
3: You know, what's so interesting about the U.S. is that when we're raising our children, we really encourage them to try everything, right? We take them to sports and soccer and ballet and gymnastics. And, and you know, we take part in community programs. Uh, and that something changes, right? For us, we we get into this, you know, work mindset where we think, okay, now I've got to be a grown-up and I don't get to play anymore. I don't get to have hobbies. And I, I think it's unfortunate, you know, when we were talking about um, – know people maybe who are unemployed you know one of the findings is that you know having hobbies can help you build resilience for those moments where life you know throws you a curve and so if you only identify you know if i only identify as a writer and then something goes wrong at work i'm going to feel pretty devastated because my identity is so caught up in being a journalist being a writer there's this concept called self-complexity And if I have many layers to my life, if I also think of myself as not just a parent or um, a friend, but also maybe I'm a runner. Um, I I throw pottery. I write poetry. You know, I have these different layers to my personality. There was an example of a friend who, uh, you know, went, she started surfing and surfing became her passion. And she started identifying not just as a writer, but as a surfer. And when we create these layers, it, it, it helps us deal with, You know, the bumps in the road. Um, You know, I don't want to oversimplify the stress of losing a job. Obviously, that's devastating. It's financially devastating. But, you know, having, you know, many different parts to your personality, to your life and to your experiences can help you with resilience. And so I would just, I just think that if you're really, you're listening to this and you're thinking, but I don't really know what I would want to do, think about I think you say i've always wanted to do the thing i've always wanted to do like i think we could probably all finish that sentence or something i loved doing when i was a kid was this and build on that you know build on that experience from your childhood uh where you did stuff and and think of one of the things you used to like to do and and find a a grown-up way to do it.
2: Mm. That's a great point to end on. Thank you so much, Tara Parker Pope, founding editor for Well, the New York Times consumer health section. It's been a pleasure to hear and and talk with you, Tara.
3: Thank you for having me.
2: And Bridget Schulte, thank you, author of Overwhelmed and director of the Better Life Lab at New America, also a longtime journalist. Uh, Bridget, thank you for your time today.
7: Thank you so much. Go play. (laughs)
2: <laughs> That's right. I'm Lucy Nalpothanchil. Test Terrible produced today's show. One of her hobbies is throwing pots. That's throwing pottery, that is. And thank you to tech producer, Kat Pastor, Carmen Baskoff on the phones today. We hope you have a great weekend.